0: What I would call the proper philosophy of possessions. And the proper philosophy is very simple everything I have is God's, and I'm going to share it. God gave it to me, and if He needs it, it's His. Thank you for that left handed introduction. Uh, I am from the thriving metropolis of Chickasha, Oklahoma, is how we pronounce it. There's there's no shawl in it, and uh, there is a Chickasaw Indian, and that was supposed to be the name of our community, but the railroad misspelled the word, and I live in a city that is nothing more than a typographical error. And... Uh, there is no Chickasha Indian, no Chickasaw, Chickasha River. It's just Chickasha, Oklahoma, and I am honored to be back here at Cornerstone. I was with you in March. Of 2015 we had a wonderful revival meeting and we are scheduled to return for a full four-day revival in 2017 starting on March the 26th I'll be here for four days And when me and Pastor Fox talked about it, we thought this would be a good Sunday to stop in and remind you that I'm coming back in 2017, and you want to mark your calendars now. And plan on being here you remember last year we had a blizzard that hit us during that revival and we're going to have it the last week in March when it'll be nice and warm all right and there will I'm predicting no blizzard in 2017 now if the Lord comes back uh, you can go ahead and have the meeting without me and uh uh, Brother Ron said he'll go ahead and preach it. If I, if No, wait a minute. Wait a minute no, you'll be gone too, won't you? Okay. But uh, we're honored to be back with you. You're going to have to bear with me this morning. Um, this will be the first time that I have preached in the last ten messages that I didn't have an interpreter standing beside me. I flew in Thursday from Vilnius, Lithuania, and the week before, I was in Minsk, Belarus, which is over there in Eastern Europe, and I've been gone for 19 days preaching in Eastern Europe, and God blessed greatly in those meetings over there, a uh, very cold country, spiritually, under communist rule, I don't know if you know, but in 1945, World War II was over. And America, we came back and the people rejoiced that the war was over, but the war was not over in Lithuania and Belarus. It went on for almost 50 more years under communism. And the sad fact is, Joseph Stalin killed more people than Adolf Hitler ever thought about killing and it's a very, very sad part of the world. Every memorial they took us to was the site of a mass murder where thousands of people were buried and executed for no other reason than being an intellectual or being uh, an anti-Soviet or communist or being a Jew or a gypsy. Uh, it was a pitiful, pitiful tour over there of how horrible, and I'm going to tell you, I am a flag-waving American, and uh, we don't want communism. We don't even want socialism in this country. We want America to be free and be a capitalist country. I saw it firsthand. Amen. and um, But I met wonderful sweet people souls were saved altars were full and (laughs) you need to realize that in the churches over there they don't hold altar calls but this evangelist does and one night I saw the altar full from wall to wall with uh, Belarusian people down on their knees weeping and getting right with God at the altar and the one lady saved Her husband had been saved 10 years ago. He was dying of cancer, and they had led him to the Lord. And for the last 10 years, she had been bitter and cold and a God-hater. And her daughter invited her to the revival on Monday night, and Tanya got saved on Monday night after (laughs) 10 years. And she came every night of the revival, and I wish you could have seen her Wednesday night when she hugged me and thanked me through a translator saying thank you for coming to Belarus you changed my life and uh, I have to tell you it made the whole trip worthwhile just for that. So uh, we've come from villainous Lithuania to Decatur, Texas and all roads led right here. Isn't that amazing? And uh, I'm honored to be here today. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Luke, chapter number 12. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter number 12. We're going to begin in verse 16. Luke, chapter 12, verse 16. As soon as you find your place in God's Word, why don't we stand and honor God's Word as we read it this morning? I love that old book, and we'll just honor it one more time. Luke chapter 12, verse number 16 it says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying... Now, this is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is speaking a parable. A parable is a story. It's an earthly story but it most definitely has a heavenly meaning. Jesus was a storyteller because he knew people could not understand the deep truths of the kingdom of God unless they had an earthly illustration so they could understand it. And this morning he's going to share one of his greatest Parables, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my Goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul? Kind of weird. Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can read the words of Jesus And it can be as real and as relevant today as it was the day he spoke them. Lord, we thank you for the music we've already experienced. Thank you for the great testimonies from these campers. Thank you especially for the souls that were saved. Lord, this morning I'm asking you to take your word and empower it. Drive it deep into a heart. But today on this Father's Day, this could be a day of a new direction. A day of a changed life. A day that will change not only their life, but eternity for someone. Lord, we give you the next few moments. You take them, you bless them, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. Today is Father's Day and I am a father of five. I have four boys and then a little baby girl who is 22 years old today this week and uh, she's not much of a baby anymore but she'll always be my baby. And uh you know what the desire of every father in this room, the desire of every child in this room would be to be a great father or to have a great father. I hate to say it, but seems like to me Hollywood and television, they always portray dads as idiots. Seems like the mother's always the smart one, mm-hmm and dads are just fools. And you know what? I take issue with that. I don't think that's the way it ought to be and I don't think that's the way it is. But sometimes dads can be fools. I think of the two boys that uh, had fathers and the fathers were having a discussion about who had the dumbest son. And one of them said, well, my son's a lot dumber than yours. He said, watch this. He gives the kid a five dollar bill and says, run down and buy me a new Cadillac. And the kid runs right out the door. He said, boy, that's the dumbest kid in the world. And the other one said, well, that ain't nothing. Watch this. He calls his son over. He says, hey, run down to the lumber yard and see if I'm down there. And the kid ran right out the door. The dad said, man, I tell you what, that's the dumbest kid in the world. There was a phone right here. He could have called down there and seen if I was down there. Hmm. You know, sometimes you're just a fool. But this morning we find that Jesus takes a paintbrush and he paints us a portrait of a fool. Now, I don't know about you. I don't call people fool very often. In fact, if you read the Bible, the Bible says call no man a fool. But in this story, we find that God calls this man a fool. And i got to believe if God calls you a fool, you probably are a fool. Now, I think there's times where we've all met fools. I know there's many times in my life I'm sure I've met a fool. I fly almost every week, sometimes twice a week, and last year alone I was on over a hundred Delta flights alone, and when I go to the airport and set my luggage there at the airport up on the scale, one of those Delta employees will inevitably look at me and say, Mr. York, has anyone put anything in your luggage without your knowledge? Well you know if it was without my knowledge, how would I know? Are you a fool? I was at a department store Christmas shopping and I bought an item and I handed the little girl my credit card and uh, she ran the slip and she got my credit card and the slip up there and she looked at me and she said, I cannot accept your credit card. I said, why not? She says, you didn't sign it on the back. I said, well, give it here. She gave it to me. I signed it. I gave it back to her. She got them up there and compared the signatures again. I just signed them both in front of you. Of course they match. Are you a fool? I think every one of us can say, there's been times I've met a fool. And then, have you ever felt like a fool? Oh, yeah, just feel like a fool? TSA came out with a new machine, and it's called the Full Body Scanner, and it whirly the around you, and you got to put your hands up like this, and it burns all your clothes off of you, and all they see is your naked body. And the first time I saw that machine, I was in Gulfport, Mississippi, and I saw it for the first time, and I thought, man, I do not want to go through that thing. And so I was over here minding my own business. I wanted to go through the metal detector. And I was, I, I'm i a professional flyer, so I know how to handle TSA, never to look them in the eye, never make eye contact. Just keep your head down, keep moving. And all of a sudden I heard a guy go, sir, sir, we want you to come over here. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to go this way. No, no, sir, we want. And so they got me in it. I had to put my hands up there and it whirly gigged around me and burned all my clothes off of me and they saw my naked body. Now the the screen is not right there. It's like in a back room, cause you know that guy is back there laughing his head off back there. You know, he's like, hey Pete, come look at this one. And I stepped out of that machine, and a guy stepped up with a thing in his ear and a wire running down his collar, and he said, Stand right there on them footprints. So I stood there, and all of a sudden he turned. I heard him, he goes, What? You want me to do what? Are you sure? And I'm thinking, Boy, this is going to be good. And he turns right to my face, and he says, Sir, I'm going to have to touch you in some private areas. I said, really? He said, if you'd like to, we can go to the back room and do it. I said, I'm not going to no back room with you. <laughs> you're going to do this. We're doing it out here in public, buddy. Uh-huh. We ain't going to back room. And I mean, he began to poke me and prod me, and I don't know what he was looking for, but I, I think they thought all of this was plastic explosives draped on me. Eh? He punched every bit of blubber I had. And when I walked away, I felt like a fool. You know what? I've met fools. I felt like a fool. But this morning, we get to meet a legitimate. Fool, God says this man was a fool. And I want us to look at the fool this morning because I don't want any father to be a fool in his life. I don't want any wife to be a fool in her life. I don't want any teenager to be a fool in their life. Let's learn from the parable of Jesus. First off, I want you to notice this man was a fool about his person. Did you notice in this passage there's no mention of his family? There's no mention of any neighbors. There's no mention of any friends. It's all about him. In fact, in the first three verses, he refers to himself with either noun or pronoun, 11 different Did you see it? He calls it my crop and my barn and I will do this and I will do that. Eleven times he talks about himself. Here is a man who worshipped at the altar of himself. Everything revolved around him. He was the center of the world. Have you ever met a person that could strut sitting down? Hmm. Here he is right here. This man was the center of the universe. And you know I see people today that are just like this man. Everything in your life is about you. In fact, there's some of you this morning, as you sit here and try to listen to this message, you're having a hard time even concentrating because you're already worried about where you're going to eat lunch after church. You're already thinking about what sporting event is on television that I can go watch. You're already worried about what video game I can go home and play or things I can do. It's all about you. And God says this man is a fool. Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, he said, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. You know what that verse means? Don't esteem yourself overmuch. Don't become arrogant in your life. Williams translated that same passage and said, don't estimate yourself above your real value. Folks, you're important to God, but don't become self-centered. Don't become conceited. Don't think you're the creator instead of the created. When I was a student at Baptist Bible College years ago, They thought we should just pray and meditate all the time and we couldn't have televisions in our dormitories. Totally illegal. But it was the final game of the NBA playoffs and we had to see that game. So we found a little 13-inch black and white TV. We put it in a cardboard box and we carried it into the dormitory. We hid it in the closet and cut a flap. It was late at night and we were down on the bottom floor of Berea Annex down there and it was the game between the Boston Celtics and the LA Lakers. Oh, it was an exciting game. It got down to the last five seconds of the game. And the Boston Celtics were ahead by one point. But the L.A. Lakers would have the ball. Timeout had been called. They were going to inbound the ball from the half-court line. Everybody in the world knew who was going to get the ball. There was no doubt who would get the ball. The greatest basketball player there ever was, his name was Kareem Abdullah. Jabbar. Now for you kids, that's not a football player. That's a basketball player. His name was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And sure enough, they inbounded the ball to Kareem. He went to the top of the key. He flipped that thing up in the air. It curled in the air. And when it got to the top of the arch, nah! the buzzer went off. The arena was silent. And the ball fell all net, swish, right through the goal, and the Lakers won by one point. I mean, we were jumping, up. Woo! we couldn't believe it. Ah, it was the greatest moment in the NBA history. And the door opened, and it was our floor mom or RA, they call him today. He goes you guys got a TV in here! And we're like, he closed the door, he sat down on the bed he said, you guys are in trouble as soon as the post game show is over. (laughs) So he sat down on the end of the bed with us and we sat there. People were running all over the floor. They run up to Kareem. They stick a mic in his face. They put the camera on his face and they said, Kareem, you've just made one of the greatest shots in the history of the What do you have to say? And I'll never forget what Kareem said. There was a lot of things he could have said. He could have said, well, I want to thank God for making me seven foot tall because that really helped. I want to thank my mom and dad for raising me. I want to thank my coaches from junior high, high school, college, professionally. I want to thank all my teammates because they blocked everybody out so I could make that shot. But I'll never forget what Kareem said. You know what he said? What can I say? I'm the greatest. That's what he said. And I sat there and thought, Kareem, you were literally standing on the shoulders of thousands of people to get to that point in your career, and then you took all the credit. Let me tell you something. Don't become conceited, because every one of us are standing on the shoulders of other people who got us to this point in our life. Have you ever driven down a country road and seen a turtle on top of a fence post? Mm -hmm. I'll guarantee you he didn't get there by himself. And you did not get to where you are in life by yourself. Folks, this man was a fool about his person. Everything was about And then secondly, I want you to notice this man was a fool about his possessions. His crops were so abundant, he had to build bigger barns. And next to understanding who you are, understanding what you have is so important. He was a fool about his possessions. We live in a day-to-day where there's really three philosophies on possessions. All three philosophies are probably in this room today. First, what I would call the pagan philosophy. The pagan philosophy of possessions is this, I want what you've got and I'm going to do whatever it it takes to get it. This is the philosophy of the criminal. This is the philosophy of the crooked politician. They don't care what it takes. They just want to get what you've got. That's why they break into your house and steal your stuff. That's why crooked politicians change the law to pad their own pockets. That's the philosophy of the pornographer. One of the leading pornographers in America was interviewed the other day, and they asked him, does it bother you that pornography hurts people? It degrades women and desensitizes young men against women. And you know what one of the leading pornographers in America said? Pornography puts food on my family's table and a roof over their head. You see, he didn't care what damage it did. As long as he got your money. And I'm going to tell you that is a pagan philosophy. Get, 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 get. And we live in a world today that is a me generation where I'm going to do whatever it takes to get your money. That is a pagan philosophy. Secondly, there is what I would call a perverted philosophy. And I'm very sorry to say this, this is probably the most highly held philosophy in this room today, will be a perverted philosophy. The perverted philosophy is, I don't want to take from you what is yours, but what I get is mine and I'm going to keep it. That's why in our churches today we've got tight, stingy people who don't understand the joy of giving. They just understand that I get more and more. I build bigger barns and I put it into bigger barns. And let me tell you something, bigger barns don't make you happy. In fact, some of the most miserable people in the world are the wealthiest people in the world. The ambulances were called to Las Vegas, Nevada to a high-rise hotel one afternoon. The paramedics grabbed the gurney and went into the elevator and went to the penthouse suite. And when they opened the penthouse suite, they saw a dark, dingy room covered with Kleenexes and rubber gloves. And in the center of a king-sized bed was a man who was skin and bones. His hair was long. His fingernails were three to four inches long. He was curled up in the fetal position. He was dead. You say, was it a homeless man that snuck into the hotel? No, his name was Howard Hughes, and he was one of the wealthiest men that ever lived on the face of the earth. But he died the pitiful, hideous death alone. And he had it all. There's some of you today, you've got that same attitude. This man, this fool, never thought of his neighbors. He never thought of maybe someone down the street that had had a bad crop that year. He never thought about helping anybody else. He had plenty. All he could think of was build bigger barns and get me more. And that is a perverted philosophy. And then thirdly, there's what I would call the proper philosophy of possessions. And the proper philosophy is very simple. Everything I have is God's and I'm going to share it. God gave it to me and if he needs it, it's his. I was at a church one day, and they had a family in the church that didn't have a car. They couldn't get to work. They couldn't get to the job to earn a living. So the pastor got up and he told the church, We need to pray for this family. They don't have a car. We need to pray that God would supply them a car. Preacher told me, He goes, I didn't know God wanted them to have my car. And the preacher gave that family his car. And he had a brand new car. I said to him, I said, preacher, how do you give somebody a brand new car? And you know what he said to me? He said, brother Kent, it only hurts if you love it. (laughs) you know what Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil and when you love your possessions it's hard to be a giver But when you've got the attitude that everything I own belongs to God, everything I have, he gives to me, I'm going to tell you it is liberating in life. And don't you go out of here and say I'm a communist or a socialist. I'm a capitalist through and through. But you know what? True Christian philosophy on possessions is God owns it all. And he just lets me be a caretaker for him. This man was a fool about his possessions. And then in verse 19, I want you to notice, this man was a fool about his pleasures. In verse 19, he says, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This man was a fool about his pleasures. He said, I've got my big old barns going up. (laughs) I'm going to kick back, and I'm going to eat, and I'm going to drink, and I'm going to make merry. You know, doesn't this encompass the three things in life we all love? First, eating. Isn't food a good friend? Won't you just love? Does food make you feel good? It does me. You ladies that are here, do you ever get a little discouraged and a little depressed? And you're out driving the streets of Decatur, and you see that uh, that Quick Trip or that Mini Mart, and you know a good friend lives inside there. You know who he is. Mr. Ho-Ho, and you whip in there, and you go in there and get that little Mr. Ho-Ho two-pack. always comes in two-packs, never one. It's got to be two. And you walk up there to the cash register, and you put it down, and that guy will look at you like, you really going to eat that thing? And you're like, uh, my kids like those in their sack lunch, child. I would never touch that. And then you walk out the door and get in your car. You put the dark tinted windows up. Pull over to the corner. Doesn't Mr. Ho-Ho make you feel good? Oh, he's so so soothing. You know, food satisfies the body, the flesh. And then he says, I'm going to drink. Now, this isn't a reference to water. He's not just thirsty. This is an intoxicating beverage. Something that's going to change his mind. And I got these young people up here. Y'all listen to me. People don't drink because it tastes good. Most of it tastes like battery acid. They drink because they're trying to change Their mind. In fact, people drink for one reason, young people. They're trying to drown their problems. And I got news for you. Your problems know how to swim. Mm -hmm. It don't work. And bud doesn't make you wiser. Uh -uh. (laughs) It makes you stupider. You don't need that old booze, beer, whiskey, vodka. You don't need any of it. Only people that drink that stuff, are trying to drown something. Let me tell you, when you got Jesus Christ, you don't have to drown your problems. You give them to him. This man said, I'm going to drink. I'm going to eat, and then I'm going to drink, and then I'm going to make merriment. If you study that phrase in its root form, it has a sexual connotation. He is going to fulfill his sexual desires. Now stop with me a minute and just think. Does this kind of sound like what the world calls partying today? Mm -hmm. I'm going to get me some pizza and some chicken wings. I'm going to get me a six pack of bugs. I'm going to get my girlfriend, my boyfriend, and we're going to potty hard. Isn't that what the world calls having a good time? And God said he's a fool. You see, he thought those are things that would bring him great pleasure. And God said you're a fool because those are just temporary things. They don't bring any peace. They don't bring any joy. They don't bring any long-lasting fulfillment. They're temporary. And I know this morning I'm preaching to a Baptist church, and some of you are like, "Oh, Brother Jen, I, I don't do it. You know what? We'll stop and think. What brings you the greatest pleasure? You daddies that are here today, what brings you the greatest pleasure? Is it hunting? Is it fishing? Is it watching football? Is it playing softball? Is it playing golf? What is it? Is your greatest pleasure in life serving God? Is your greatest pleasure the Word of God? Is your greatest pleasure doing God's will? Or is it the world? We can be as big a fool as this man. He was a fool about his pleasures. And then lastly, and I'm done. He was a fool about his predictions. Go back to verse 19. And I will say to my soul, he's talking to that soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. He said, I got a lot of time. I got many years. And the truth be told, this man would never see the sun come up tomorrow. This was the last day of his life. But he thought he had all the time in the world. And God said, you're a fool. Isn't it amazing nobody's dying tomorrow? I am come down here to one of these girls and, how old are you, Honey. 16. Boy, I wonder how, how long you think you're going to live. You know, you might live to be 116 with new medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might. You're young. Then I can go over here and find me a little old lady. Ma'am, how old are you? Well, I'm 85. When are you going to die? Well, I'm still a-kicking. Isn't that amazing? Whether you're 16 or whether you're 85, nobody's dying tomorrow because we all think we're going to live forever but the truth be told Hebrews 9 27 says it's appointed unto man once to die you have an appointment with death and we're all going to die and none of us have a guarantee of tomorrow young people die every day old people die every day middle aged people die every day we have no guarantee. My number two son, Ben, he was our youth pastor in Chickasha for five years. Ben used to like to take the teens out on Monday night and go door knocking. He believed one of the greatest ways to get teens excited about the Lord is going out and sharing the gospel. And Ben was out door knocking with a teenage boy one Monday night they came up on a porch with a screen door and a big old strapping boy, kind of like the the boy that he was describing, that went to camp and got saved. This boy was a head taller than my son. He was a lineman on the football team. His name was Cody. He was 17 years old, a senior in high school. And my son asked him, Cody, do you know Jesus Christ? And he said, no, I've never been saved. And my son said, well, Cody, if you'll give me a minute, I'll show you how you can know Jesus Christ. And Ben said, (coughs) Dad, that boy was brutally honest, brutally honest. He leaned into that screen door and said, sir, I don't have time for you. I'm a senior in high school. I'm starting on the football team this Friday night on our first game. I've got my friends. I've got my schoolwork. I don't have time for you. And Ben said, well, Cody, I understand you're busy, but you know what? Your salvation is the most important thing. If you'll just give me a minute, I'll show you how you can know that you'd go to heaven if you died. He said, sir, did you hear me? I don't have time. And if I go to church, I'll go one day with my mother. I'm not going with you. That boy would not listen to my son. Ben and that other teen walked off the porch at about 6.30 Monday night. Cody was starting on our football team on Friday night. It was opening night. Wednesday, they were having two-a-day practices. And during the morning practice, Cody was sick at his stomach and didn't feel good. By the evening when they did their second practice after school, Cody had a headache, his stomach was nauseated, and during practice he collapsed on the field. He didn't lose consciousness, but our coach was concerned enough, he called an ambulance and had him taken to the hospital. His white blood count was high, he was running a fever, He was nauseated. They didn't know what was wrong with him, so they put him in an ambulance and sent him to Oklahoma City to Children's Hospital. His mother was a beauty operator, and Crystal closed her chair down, and she got in the ambulance and rode to the hospital with her boy. Friday night came, and Cody didn't get to start the football game because he wasn't out of the hospital. In fact, he stayed through the weekend. And to everybody's surprise, every day Cody was in the hospital, he didn't get better. He got worse. And at 4.30, Wednesday afternoon, Cody died. 17 years old. A big, strong, strapping football player. You see, when he stood on the porch with my boy, Ben, he didn't have ten days to live. But he thought he had his whole life ahead of him. To our knowledge, Cody never called upon the name of the Lord. Cody was a fool. This morning, there's some of you that think, Brother Kent, I agree with everything you're saying. I know I need Jesus Christ. I know I need to be saved. But I'm young. I've got plenty of time. And if you walk out of this building today without Jesus Christ, you're going to leave as big a fool as this man. He's a fool about his predictions. You know what? I was blessed. I had a wise father. In fact, my own father shared Jesus Christ with me and I was saved under his preaching. I've tried to be a wise father and I got four kids that are saved. And I got eight grandbabies and one of them has already been saved at seven years old. I want to be a wise papa. But more than that, I want to be wise in the eyes of my God that he wouldn't look at me and say, thou fool. On this Father's Day, let's be wise. Just a minute, I'm going to hold an altar call. We've got people with Bibles that are trained not to embarrass you, not to humiliate you, but to show you today how to call upon the name of the Lord. And be saved. And be wise. You say I am a Christian. Well maybe you need to come to this altar. And get self out of the way. Maybe get the right philosophy of possessions. Maybe the right philosophy of pleasure. And leave today. As a wise Christian. Who draws their greatest pleasure. Not from the world but from our God. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask that every head be bowed and every eye closed. Brother John's going to come and sing a verse of invitation for us. You won't need a book or words. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment if you would. You bring the house lights up so I can see the crowd. We're going to have a word of prayer here in just a moment. And I would love to pray for you if you'd let me. But you're going to have to let me know. Maybe this morning you'd say, Brother Kent, I don't believe if I died today that I'd go to heaven. I'm just like Cody was. I've never made a decision for Jesus. But I care about my soul. and Brother Kent, I wish you would pray for me this morning. I need your prayer. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to move or anything. I'm going to ask you to do this. Maybe you'd just lift your head. And you just look at me. And by looking me in the eye, no one else is going to see but me. You're saying to me, Brother Kent, I care about my soul. And I wish you'd pray for me. Who's like that this morning? I'm going to look around the building. Yes, I see you. Thank you. Who else is like that today? Could you just lift your head? Lift it up high where I can see. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. I'm not sure today that I'm saved. Would you pray for me, Brother Ken? Who else is like that? He takes courage. Yes, I see you. Thank you. Who else is like that? Just look. Lift that head up and just look at me. I'll pray for you. I'm not going to come get you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Who today would say, Brother Ken, I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved. I know if I died today, I'd go to heaven today the message spoke to me maybe it has to do with yourself your attitude your pleasure your possession you'd say today the message spoke to me brother Ken. would you pray for me maybe you'd just slip your hand up put it right up put it right back down yes 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 Yes, yes, hands in every section. Who else? Anyone else? I was scared at first. I'll put it up now. God dealt with me today. Pray for me. Yes, yes. Who else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, I see that. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I'm coming to you first for these that looked at me that have not saved. They're not sure if they died tonight, they'd go to heaven. Lord, I pray today they'd be wise. I pray they'd realize that everybody in this room that's been saved has stood where they stood. They had to make that decision for Jesus. Lord, I pray today they'd come and just let a trained counselor pray with them and help them come to Jesus. Lord, for Christians that you're dealing with, I'm praying this altar would be a place of rededication new commitment this morning, a real place of change. You take this invitation, God, it's yours. You bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look up here and listen to me just a minute. If you're one of those that needed to be saved, whether you looked at me or not, Pastor Ron's going to come stand right here in the front, right here in front of me, preacher. He's got his Bible. We've got men with Bibles. We've got ladies with Bibles. They'll pray with you. All you need to do is walk to Him and say, I want to get saved today. I need someone to show me how. He'll have someone pray with you. If you're a Christian and you lifted your hand, that meant God did something in your heart. You come and just kneel at this altar, and whatever got your hand in the air, put it on your knee and get it down here this morning. Let's be wise. Let's don't go out of here, fools. Let's go out of here, wise. Are you ready? Make up your mind. Make up your mind. I'm going to do it when Brother John sings. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to go pray. Are you ready, Brother John? Come on, sing it out good and loud for me. Come on. Come on if you need to come. Amen. Come on. Come on right now. Amen. Come on today. Come on today. Jesus is come. I don't want to be a fool. Lord. I want to be wise. Have you come to the end of the How about you? Self. You need to come to the thirst for a drink from the well. But Jesus is Oh, I'm gonna do it one of these days, preacher. Maybe next Sunday. Maybe next week. Don't go out of here and be a
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, just be seated for a moment, and uh, we do want to honor all of our fathers this morning. And thank you, Brother Kent, wonderful message. And uh, absolutely, uh, uh, don't be a fool, but be wise, and humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall exalt you, is what the Scripture says. So praise God. Uh, we're glad you're here this morning, and and uh, we do want to once again just tell our fathers that we love you, and and we want to just take a minute and uh, and just. Um, um, that we uh, we appreciate you very much okay now we've got uh, just a couple of things we want to give away and so we have the names in our basket here that Miss Judy got Miss Julie got put together for us so we're going to draw two names for the grand prize and then now dads as you leave we have two stations set up we have one back here in the back We have one out in the foyer. So, every dad, make sure you stop by one of these places and pick up your gift. Miss Kim, do you mind um, maybe you and Gina stand back there at this one, make sure a dad gets their gift? And then let me uh, share, Miss Sherry Markham. And uh, Miss Bunny, would you stand at the one in the foyer here in just a moment and make sure that all of our dads gets one of these gifts? They're they're really nice gifts. Uh, It's got some dads root beer in there and some beef jerky and some popcorn. And don't give it to your kids now. This is for you, okay? We want to spoil you just a little bit, okay? Now, Becky, what happened to your arm, sweetheart? You fell at camp. Well, come up here and help me, okay? You got one good arm, right? Well, I'm glad you're. Is it broke? Is it spring or what? Sprung? You're not sure yet. Okay. Such a lovely young lady, isn't she? Did I hurt you? Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry, you okay? Okay. Okay, we're going to mix these up real good. And so I want you to pull out a card for me, okay? And, and we're going to choose first for the. Uh, we're going to make our dad a, one one dad a professional barbecuer. Okay, so let's go ahead and and just switch around in there real good and find the right card. Wonderful. Open that up and oh well, you only got one hand. I you're crippled. I'm so sorry. Okay, what does that say? Uh, Gene, Meyer. Gene Meyer. All right. <laughs> Hey, Gene, just stand right there, and you'll know to pick it up from here. I don't think you can get it all in one armful, so so so. There's your happy Father's Day. We love you and God bless you. All right, so let's mix it up again. Now we're gonna go for the. We're gonna make some dad a mechanic. Okay, here we go. All right, I'm gonna help you out there, Crip. I mean, Becky. Uh, Glenn Ryan. Glenn Ryan, stand up, brother Glenn. All right, congratulations. So you, so you get the toolbox and all the tools. Now, in each one of these, uh, we have each one of you, we got you a book, and it's uh, The Dude's Guide to Manhood by uh, Darren Patrick. So read it and then pass it on. What are you laughing about? And pass it on to somebody else, okay? All right. All righty, and again, men, remember that each one of you have a gift here. We want to honor you this morning. Make sure you grab one on the way out. Every dad, there's a gift for you, and we want you to enjoy that. Make sure you come back. Wednesday nights, we're going through the book of Hebrews. And remember, we have base. No base tonight, but base will begin. We'll resume back next week, okay? Men, if you'll come for your offering, please, and we'll take the offering. Um, Why don't Kim go ahead and take your place, and Sherry and um, Bunny take your place. And um, out in the foyer, Brother Kent has a long two tables of T-shirts. Now, everybody, listen. Um, all this money that you buy a T-shirt and it goes towards it goes to the mission field. And um, you're you're insulating a building over over there, and that's a very very cold building. And so belarus and you're going to insulate a building so you buy a t-shirt and that money goes to the mission field so i want to encourage you to stop by and buy one of those t-shirts from brother kent please okay so if you'll go ahead and go to your table thank you very much hey give the lord a hand for brother kent (laughs) very good very good seems like i'm forgetting something sean am i okay all right well, let's have our offering, and, and then once John dismisses us, dads, make sure you get your gift, okay? We love you here at Cornerstone, and uh, just, just excited about the kids and the great things, uh, six salvations, one giving their life to the Lord Jesus Christ in full-time service. Yeah, go ahead. It's so yeah. exciting. Thank you, Sean and Brooke. Thank you very much for, for, for being diligent and loving our kids here at Cornerstone, and thank you, Brooke, for, for being just a mom to all those kids, and I know that— I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have left. I wouldn't have done it. And uh, you know, I would be calling parents, "Come get your kids." But uh, thank you, Brooke, for for being a mom to all of those. Thank you very much. You, you, you know, I know your heart. And you have such a compassionate heart, and you're you're full of mercy. Thank you. I'm glad God built you just the way you are. Thank you very much. Okay, Father, we love you this morning and this afternoon, and we just thank you for a wonderful service. And, Lord, I pray that we'll all walk out of here and make decisions to be wise and not to be fools, not to be fools with our possessions, with our person, but most of all be a fool in making decisions to pick up our crosses and follow you like Dimitri said. Lord, I pray that we'll be wise and that we'll continue to humble ourselves in the sight of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that we'll be exalted. We love you and we give you praise. Lord, I ask that you bless this uh, offering. May you, may you bless it and may this be all used, Lord, to, to build relationships, to lead people uh, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And for our missionaries, Lord, I pray that all the money is given to missions, every penny of it, Lord, that we'll see people saved all across this world. We love you and we give you praise. Amen.